Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. If you are born of the Spirit of God, then God has bestowed upon you the sonship, the adoption. As a son and daughter of God, you now have the right to live in God and to live by God in Christ and in the Spirit. And therefore, everything that God is and all that he accomplished is then through grace freely bestowed upon you, the son and the daughter. That is the principle of inheritance. That is, God did it. God gives it. You receive it and then live it. When it comes to spiritual victory, or shall we say, the life of spiritual authority, living an overcoming life. It is based not on the principle of me working towards victory, working towards a kind of a spiritual authority. Rather, it is something that Christ attained, that Christ lived, and then through the Spirit, through grace, it is freely given to the sons and daughters of God, not on the principle of works, not on the principle of imitation, but rather on the principle of just identification with Christ. And as you will see in this message, that is what Paul uniquely taught over and against many of the rabbis of the day. The traditional mindset was that the rabbi is the perfect one, and then the disciple strives and works, and over the process of days and months and years, he, with a lot of effort, attained to the status of his rabbi. Enter the rabbi, Jesus Christ, and it is just freely given to the disciple. And all that the disciple has to do is by faith receive the free gift and impartation of the rabbi's heart and mind. And in the case of Christ, his authority over darkness, his freedom from sin and addiction, his overcoming life. Before we get into today's message regarding the principle of identification, versus imitation, I want to use an example. If you can just for a minute imagine a rather old lady. Imagine her maybe in her 80s or 90s or even beyond. Imagine uh, crutches maybe to uphold her because of the weakness of her frame. Imagine that there's also a very steep hill 
that a massive 18-wheeler truck is barreling down that highway, down that steep hill. Imagine that if the lady stood at the bottom of that hill and stretched out her hand to stop that oncoming truck. Do you suppose that she has the authority, the strength, the ability to demand that that 18-wheeler barreling down that descent, coming with such force, do you imagine she has the capacity, the capability, even the authority to cause that truck to stop? No. In fact, um, he may not even notice the old lady next to the road stretching out her hand and saying, Stop, truck, you're going too fast. But if we clothe that weak lady, if you will, in a uniform of a highway patrol officer, and we slap a badge on her chest, and now she stands in that road against that oncoming truck, and she stretches out her hand, that truck will come to a stop. Why? Because of her identification with the highway patrol law of the land. The authority that is invested into the state highway patrol, if you will. That truck does not stop in the name of Grandma um, Louise. Rather, he stops in the name of the authority of the law. And that is the principle of identification. Now, Grandma can work very, very hard to, to be very, very strong, to try to stop and shout against that oncoming truck. But he's just going to drive right over her, put on a uniform, identify with an authority structure that is bigger than Grandma. And that truck has to stop. Beloved, it's the same in the spiritual life. You and I are people of the flesh. We are weak in the natural. In us, Paul would say, dwells really nothing good. I do not have what it takes to stop the onslaught of darkness in my life, the onslaught of generational mud trying to flow into my life, the onslaught of failure and damnation and curses and negativity, if you will. But by association with Christ, putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not really me that stops all of these negative influences, especially that of sin and Satan and self and the world in my life. Rather, it's my identification with the authority figure, the authority figure in the universe. And by association, that is how I live the overcoming life. That is the crux of today's message. You want to be a person of spiritual authority? Then associate, learn to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ the way Paul would teach us in the New Testament.
I want to tell you about the victory of Jesus. Easy topic. We hear it often that Jesus overcame. But we attribute victory only to the Lord. And rightfully so. He is the one that triumphed. Whatever Jesus accomplished has been accredited to your account through grace and faith from your end. Did Jesus accomplish, uh, let's say, forgiveness of sin? Yes or no? Okay. Then that forgiveness of sin has been accredited to you through grace if you believe it. Is that a fair statement? Okay. And that's for the most part where we stop. But I want to push that matter just a little bit further. We'll jump into the notes. Jesus lived also a perfect life. He accomplished a perfect life. He accomplished wholeness. Can we say that that wholeness is also attributed to your account through grace and faith? Or must you and I still work to be whole? Christ Jesus walked in intimacy with His Father, in love, in obedience, for instance. Can we say that that love, that relationship has been attributed, reckoned to you and I's account, so that I can now walk with God? I can be intimate with God. I can know God. Or is it only Jesus that knows God? Let's push that matter one step further. Jesus lived a holy life, as we might say, you know, sinless. He accomplished holiness. Could we say that he accredited and accounted that holiness, reckoned that holiness, gifted, imparted that holiness also to you, based on the principle of grace and corresponding faith? So name anything in the spiritual life then here's the perspective. The Lord accomplished it. The Lord lived it. The Lord uh, gained it. The Lord triumphed in it. And then freely gives it to those who dare to trust in Him and receive it. Are you all mostly on board with me? Yeah. So in other words, you and I therefore accomplish nothing. Anything in the spiritual life that we are to gain, accomplish, arrive at, or experience, you don't uniquely actually experience it. Somebody else experienced it, and it is bestowed to you. It is just freely given to you. So you don't have to work for anything in the spiritual life. It is given to you. That's the principle that we're talking about today. And Paul is the person in the Bible that we have to pay attention to to understand this principle. Paul does not give us a theological account of the imitation of Jesus. 
where he's the role model and we copy him or imitate him. The principle that Paul uses, more than imitation, is the principle of identification. There's a huge difference. When we imitate Jesus, we look at Jesus' life and we say, Ah, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. I'm going to try to fast 40 days and 40 nights. So when you do that, you are interacting with your Lord based on the principle of imitation. Does it make sense? And what you're basically saying is, I want to live up to what he accomplished. And Paul does not teach that. He says at one time, imitate me the way I imitate Christ. But even though he uses that word, his theology, the way that he explains a walk with God, the way that Paul explains a life with God, that there's not the copycat lifestyle. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? Paul teaches a lifestyle of identification in a way that whatever happened to Christ happened to you. He accomplished it and then freely gives it to you. This is where grace comes in. Grace is a principle all throughout the New Testament that it is accomplished by the Lord and it is endowed to me. It is bestowed upon me. And so Paul would say that actually you're already dead. You've been crucified. How? Not that you have to work towards suffering and try to be crucified. He just makes a statement. You have been crucified with Christ. You all understand? I don't have to try to suffer or try to feel low about myself or try to like get a tree and put some nails through my hands and take up a cross. Paul is stating that's already happened and you died with him based on the principle of identification. So when we talk about the crucified life, really, it's not up to you to live the crucified life. Christ is the only one that's ever lived the crucified life. But what happens is I identify with His living and His living becomes my living. So His obedience becomes my obedience. Guess what, guys? You don't have an obedient heart. We're all rebels. But because I believe in Him... I take His obedience into me. Guess who's the one who's really obeying in you? God. Guess who's the one who's giving you a new heart? God. Guess who's the one who's giving you a willing spirit? A renewed mind? It's all God. Who's the Christian life? God. Who takes care of the Christian life? God. Who accomplished everything in the Christian life? Say it. God. On the front end, I want to tell you the fact. On the back end, I want to tell you the process. But let's talk about the fact first. The fact <laughs> is, today, you are seated with God in the heavenly places. 
That's exactly what Paul says. It's a fact. But I don't feel like I'm seated in the heavenly places. No, how are you seated in the heavenly places? By way of identifying with Jesus. Who currently is seated on the throne with God? The Lord Jesus Christ. I'm seated with my booty on this couch. Is everybody with me? But by identification, by trusting Jesus, by believing in Him, Right there, by the principle of identification, you are seated at the highest place in the universe. But then again, I don't feel like it. It doesn't look like it. This is where then that fact, that identification, has to become incarnation. Does this make sense? The accomplished fact of me seated in the heavenly places has to now be slowly built into my being and made real into my being in experience, right? Is everybody with me? So it is a fact. Paul says it's a fact that your sins are forgiven, that you've been made righteous, that that's a fact. But I don't feel righteous. So guess what? That accomplished fact of forgiveness, that accomplished fact of justification, and of righteousness, that now has to be made flesh in me. That has to become now my experience, and that takes time. That takes a process. So that's what we're going to talk about on the back side of our note. On the front side, I just want to tell you the fact. The fact is, you're favored of God. You are blessed of God. You are seated in the heavenly places. The fact is that you're a saint, that you're holy. Guess what? The way God sees you now is just as if you have never sinned. But I, I, I'm a sinner. Yes, you are. But the fact trumps experience. Right now, my experience is that I'm just a hooligan. But the fact is, from God's point of view, I'm forgiven. I'm accepted. I'm beloved. I'm chosen. I'm forgiven. I'm declared free. I have peace with God, but I don't feel like I'm at peace. Now, what's the Christian life? The Christian life is for that fact, through time and through process, to become incarnated in me, to become flesh in me, to become manifested through me. But until it's fully manifested, it's still a fact. Does it make sense? It's still a fact. So Paul does not invite you into a lifestyle of imitation, but into a lifestyle of identification. That is, we study who Jesus is. We look into what Jesus accomplished, and that is my identity. That is my reality. That is a fact even though I can't see it, understand it, or feel it. This is what faith is all about. Faith is reckoning on that fact. Faith is not looking to my experience right now, I feel like a sinner. No, faith is looking outside of myself and looking away unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith. The more you look at Jesus, the stronger your faith will become. 
But the more you look at your circumstance and the more you look at yourself, your faith is going to leak out. You and I don't have to work for anything in the Christian life. It's already been accomplished. Amen. You don't have to work to become a prayer warrior. There's only one that's ever known how to pray. It's the Lord. But by identifying with Him, taking on His life, living in union with Him, and allowing Him to live in me and become incarnated into my flesh, He prays the perfect prayer through me again. So I just pray by His prayer. I don't have to work to try to be a prayer warrior. What about intercession? Will you really get down to it? Well, the only person that's ever been able to intercede is Jesus. So I don't work to become an intercessor. There's already an intercessor in the universe. We don't need two. There's already a perfect intercessor. What happens is I reckon on Him that He's perfect, that He's the prayer warrior. And then I, by identification, say, Lord, I'm in you, and you, in me. So, Lord, you pray in me. So what happens is, you'll feel that the Lord begins to pray through you. The Spirit prays through you. This is the real prayer, where it is Christ, the real intercessor, for instance, praying through me. What is holiness? Holiness is not the absence of sin. Holiness is Christ. He is holy. And because He's holy, He gives holiness to me. I don't have to arrive at holiness. I don't have to work at holiness. All I have to do is host Jesus. He is holy. And by identifying with Him, His holiness seeps into my being through incarnation. And now, holiness will be something I gradually begin to experience and, and live in, and yet I did nothing. It's a free gift. Is everybody with me? What about wisdom? I don't have to attain to the wisdom of God. There's only one person that is wise. It's Jesus. He is the wisdom of God. He perfectly knows God. He perfectly understands. So what happens is, I look to Him as the real wise one. You know, He even said, one that is greater than Solomon is here. And Solomon is known for his wisdom. On the one hand, and Solomon is known for building the temple. And Christ is the real Solomon, who's the real wise one, and the real one building the temple. I look to Him. And so His wisdom becomes my wisdom. I know by His knowing. It, the Christian life has got nothing to do with you. You are just a tank, a tent, a, a jar that gets filled with the Christian life. Anybody who teaches you that you have to attain to anything in the Christian life, that's based on the principle of copycat and imitation. Paul does not teach us that. We live the Christian life based upon He having lived it. Now, I host Him, and through this indwelling, it is relived. It is, it's really Him that lives the Christian life. Does it make sense? So His holiness... It's my holiness. And holiness is a fact. We're saints. 
we are holy. But then again, it takes a little bit of time and process for you to experience that holiness. So before we get into victory, can you just sort of wrap your mind and your heart around this simple explanation? Nothing in the Christian life can be attained or accomplished or arrived at. What about victory? What about spiritual victory? Is victory something we earn, work for, journey towards, or based on the same principle of identification? Are you working for victory or has victory already been accomplished and it's just freely bestowed to you? It's as though we freely receive grace, forgiveness. We freely receive the blood of Jesus. We freely receive righteousness and everything except victory. And this is where we Christians check out. Like everything else, thank you, Lord, it's free. But victory, oh, I got to fast. I got to pray. I have got to rebuke. I have got to like try to keep holy. I, and victory. We constantly see victory as this elusive reality in the future. And it's this carrot dangling in front of us. I've got to work for victory. I've got to work. I want to start off today and just say, victory is already accomplished. God already overcame Satan. It, it's, it's, it's already accomplished. And just like salvation, victory is freely given to the saints. It's, it's freely given. It's nothing to arrive at. You've arrived. That is, by way of the Lord arriving at victory and you identifying with Him, you're victorious. All that has to happen now is over time and through process, that victory has to be realized. But it's already a fact. Amen. Victory is already a fact. The whole trick with the Christian life is not that you're a failure working towards victory. The whole trick is that you are victorious and over time will manifest that victory. Is everybody with me? Okay. Let's get to our notes. I want you to turn just as a preliminary verse to 1 Corinthians 15 with me. And when this corruptible will put on incorruption and this mortal will put on immortality. Then the word which is written will come to pass. Death has been swallowed up unto victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin 
is the law. And now, very importantly, verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice in verse 57, there is victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, right? But notice carefully how it is written, and herein lies the secret. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. God is to be thanked for victory. God gives it to us. Christ accomplished it. God gives it. Where in the modern Christian mind, victory is something we accomplish. We strive for and work for and earn. And at the front end of our, of our time here, I just I want to make this principle so clear, is that anything in the Christian life is of God. And He gives it to you. There is not one thing for you to do, but to abide, but to believe, but to just identify. He gives to us eternal life. God gives to us redemption. And He gave to us the Holy Spirit. We didn't earn the Holy Spirit. Everything God gives to us, including, beloved, this one thing, victory. It is freely given. So pick up on your notes, point number one. Spiritual victory is not a thing or a topic or a theme or a course or a song or a feeling or a season. Spiritual victory is it's not like some topic of the Bible. It's a reality. It's a reality. And it is going to be given to you freely. It's not just something we study or work for or some course we take. Spiritual victory is a heavenly reality that is rooted within the very nature of God. God is victory. God is overcomer. We call Him King, right? Sovereign, right? Lord. By nature of that title, we also say He is above. He's at the highest. He is victorious, right? What a, what a spiritual victory. Just Jesus. But particularly victory over four things. Sin, Satan, self, and the world. We will get into that. Victory over what? Sin. Victory over what? Uh, Satan. Victory over what? Self. Victory over what? The big one. The world. So that's what we want to uh, talk about. Spiritual victory. It's to be free. And unencumbered. Unburdened. From those four, at least those four dynamics. So victory is just God Himself. Sin has no place in God. Amen? Satan has no place in God. Self has no place in God. 
You see in God perfect selflessness, yet He is all-sovereign and almighty. But you see in the life of Jesus, just a person that gave up his self and just laid it down. He overcame. And you see in Jesus, a person that overcame the world. So who is the overcoming one? It's just, it's just God, just Christ Himself. And we are going to experience that overcoming, not because of something that we do, guys, but just because we believe. It's the strangest truth. But it's the same as salvation. You didn't earn salvation, did you? No, it was just given. It's the same with overcoming.